We all know that Spencer Rattler and Antoine Juice Wells will be vital to the success of South Carolina's offense in 2023. But which player is most important? You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. When it comes to sports in general, fans like to have a menagerie of debates between one another. And you'll typically find that one of these debates revolves around the idea of who are the most important players to a particular team. When it comes to the sport of football, that answer can be extremely subjective and relative to the current circumstances. Because obviously, you've got your fundamental five positions of the quarterback position, wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge rusher, and corner. But there's also the old cliche that, you know, if you have just one player make a mistake on one side of the ball, which obviously encompasses 11 players, that's all it takes for a play to go horribly wrong. And so it's sort of difficult to pinpoint which players are most important. But for South Carolina's offense in 2023, there's no question the two most important players are are Spencer Rattler and Antoine Juice-Wells. The question that I have for all of you is, who's the most important player for South Carolina's offense in 2023? And I think the answer is Antoine Juice-Wells, which for some of y'all might be an automatic disagreement because obviously quarterback is viewed to be probably the most important position usually on the football field when your team is on offense. But for Antoine Juice-Wells, I think that there's a pretty good case to be made that he is the most important player. And let's start off with sort of how Antoine Juice-Wells carries himself on the football field, which is as a tone setter. Antoine Juice-Wells, we've talked about this before. This is a player that time and time again in 2022 came up clutch in big-time football games. He was probably the biggest reason why South Carolina offensively stayed in the game against the Arkansas Razorbacks on the road back in Week 2 for as long as they did. He was the one I believe scored the first touchdown for South Carolina on the road against the Kentucky Wildcats about halfway through the season and helped them break their 10-year-long losing skid in Lexington. And he was... Clearly a big piece of the Gamecocks' back-to-back upset wins over top 10 teams in the Tennessee Volunteers and the Clemson Tigers. And here's the other thing. Antoine Juice-Wells is an extremely confident football player. And it might be borderline almost cockiness to a certain extent. But needless to say, Antoine Juice-Wells believes in his ability to the fullest extent. And he goes out there and he backs it up. And I'm sure that he talks a lot of trash to opposing cornerbacks. And the thing is, if your offense is going to be worth any salt, then you need to have a wide receiver that's got that kind of moxie 
and has that kind of faith in his own abilities. And the Gamecocks have that in Antoine Juice Wells. And when you have that guy, it automatically makes an opposing defense a little bit uneasy. So that's my first reason for why Antoine Juice Wells is the most important player on the offensive side of the ball, even over Spencer Rattler. My second reason here is the lack of complete receiver skill sets or lack of overall depth behind Antoine Juice Wells. Now, when I talk about complete receiver skill sets, I'm not saying that there isn't a good receiver behind Antoine Juice Wells, but more the fact that no one else really has the near-complete package that Juice Wells possesses. When you look at guys like Amarian Brown, Eddie Lewis, and Nicholas Harper, who will be arriving on campus over the summer, all three of these guys, for the most part, are burners. Now, Eddie Lewis has a good release to his game and has some decent route-running ability there, but for the most part, those guys are all known for their straight-line speed. Xavier Leggett, he is a physically imposing wide receiver who has also got a little bit of speed behind him, but it's his frame that really makes Xavier Leggett really dangerous for opposing defensive backs. And then behind those guys, you've got five total game appearances when strictly talking about the offensive side of the ball and not counting in special teams. So, obviously, South Carolina, in terms of the experience factor, is a little bit top-heavy at the wide receiver position in 2023. If there was an injury to Antoine Juice-Wells or Spencer Rattler, and obviously, let's hope that that does not happen, but South Carolina would have a tougher time replacing Antoine Juice-Wells a receiver than they would at quarterback with Spencer Rattler, in my opinion. Because at quarterback, you got a guy in Luke Doty that, yes, some people are still split on regarding whether or not he could be the guy in the future for South Carolina. Some have even already written him off. But Luke Doty has a ton of years of experience in this kind of offense. He's got dual threat ability. And he's a guy that has shown flashes, at least, of being a competent SEC starting quarterback. You've got a guy in Lenore Sellers behind him who, as he showed in the spring game, has loads of potential. And yes, he would be a true freshman if he were the guy after Spencer Rattler. But Lenore Sellers has athleticism to help bail him out of certain situations that a lot of other guys just don't have, especially at his size. And then you got Tanner Bailey, who also possesses a lot of skills at the quarterback position. You cannot say the same for the wide receiver position. So that's my second reason why Antoine's the most important player on offense. My final reason sort of carries over from my second point, which is what he can do to help open things up for the other guys in the passing game. Juice Wells is undoubtedly going to draw a lot of attention from opposing defenses in 2023. Opposing defensive coordinators are going to try to find ways to sort of limit what Antoine Juice Wells can do. In a sense, you're probably not going to stop him completely, but you're going to try to slow him down. How could coaches possibly do that? Well, they could shade a safety over to his side of the field at all times, try to make it less likely that he can beat you downfield on a shot play. They could call a lot more press man coverage if they've got the personnel to run that, which obviously means that he's getting jammed at the line of scrimmage, which 
can wear a wide receiver down over the course of a football game. And there's plenty of other things that opposing defensive coaches could probably do to try and, again, just limit what Antoine Juice-Wells could do. So with all of that bearing in mind, that would open the door for a lot more one-on-one opportunities for guys like Xavier Leggett, like an Amari Brown, like an Eddie Lewis, like a Nicholas Harper. And as I mentioned earlier, most of those guys, they are known for their speed. So that would be something that would bode quite well for South Carolina and their passing attack at the end of the day. So when you take all of those three reasons into account, his tone-setting ability on the offensive side of the ball, the lack of depth and complete skill sets behind him, and what he can therefore do for those guys, Antoine Juice-Wells, in my opinion, is definitely the most important player on South Carolina's offense for 2023, even ahead of Spencer Rattler. Now, while those two guys are obviously going to be very important to this offense, another important position for this offense is going to be left tackle. And Shane Beamer finally gave us some clarity on Tuesday afternoon at his press conference about Jalen Nichols' injury. And he has to say, the news was not good. So what was the news, and where could South Carolina go from here? We'll dive into all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, I know that there's a lot of you out there that are probably wanting to find a new snack. You want to find something maybe besides the chips that you have or your favorite pretzels that you like to keep in your cabinet, something that you feel like is going to be healthier, that can help you reach your nutrition goals for 2023. And if you're looking for a snack like that, I've got just the thing for you in Built Bar. Built Bar is 130 calories. They pack 17 grams of protein and just four grams of sugar. But here's the thing. Built Bar is not like your generic protein bar. Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. They got a ton of flavors to choose from. Churro, cookies and cream, mint chocolate, peanut butter. They've got puffs. They've got cookie dough. They've got coconut. You name it, Built Bar's got it. And you can buy these bars at Built.com, but you could also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and find Built Bars. If you go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, and you'll find yourself a four-bar box of certain flavors. And if you go to Sam's Club, you can find a 13-bar box where you'll find stuff like peanut butter and churro. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Built Bar is where tasty is the new healthy. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And thank you once again to all of you everydayers for making the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast your first watch or listen here early in the morning, whether it's on YouTube or on your daily audio podcast apps. 
All right, let's talk about South Carolina's left tackle situation because Shane Beamer finally commented with specifics on what is going on with Jalen Nichols and his knee injury that he suffered back in the spring game. We talked about this before on the show, trying to figure out whether or not he's going to miss part of the season or if he's actually going to be able to play starting in week one on September 2nd against North Carolina Tar Heels. And with Shane Beamer's clarification he provided on Tuesday, it seems that the news isn't great for Jalen Nichols. Here were Shane Beamer's comments on Nichols' injury situation. Jalen specifically, as you guys saw in the spring game, suffered a you know pretty significant injury. Um, uh, he won't be ready for the beginning of the season. I'll say that, and you know, optimistic that that uh, the the recovery process will go well, and we'll get him back. Um, hopefully, you know, before the season before the season is over, but he won't be ready to start the season. Now, obviously, this is not good news for South Carolina's offensive unit, considering the fact that Jalen Nichols was the Gamecocks' most seasoned offensive lineman heading into this year. With all the game appearances and starts he has under his belt from his time as an SEC offensive lineman, and with what Shapiro said at his press conference on Tuesday evening, it seems like even if Jalen Nichols was to come back in the middle of the season, that he probably wouldn't be starting for South Carolina because. That would be a very tough ask of a guy to be out for that long, rehabbing from an injury, a lower body injury nonetheless, as an offensive lineman, and then thrust him into the starting lineup halfway through the season, going up against SEC-level competition. So we need to talk about guys now that could fill in that role this next year. And I've got a couple candidates that I'm going to talk about here, starting off with Ja'Kai Moore. Now, there's a couple reasons why I think Ja'Kai Moore playing left tackle makes sense here. First of all, Ja'Kai Moore has experience here at the position. He has played in 20 games at that left tackle spot and made 12 overall starts in his career there. And the other thing is, Ja'Kai Moore doesn't just have experience at left tackle, but he's got experience in this offense. An offense that for the last couple of years has been filled with pro-style concepts, which is now continuing under new offensive coordinator Dal Loggins. So, Ja'Kai Moore is not a guy that is drinking water from a fire hose, so to speak, and trying to digest the entire offense itself while also trying to digest maybe new responsibilities at left tackle, like another guy I'll talk about in a little bit. So, He's got the experience, and in my opinion, he's a guy that would be able to handle the pressure of being put at left tackle should this move take place. Now, admittedly, there's also an argument to be made why Ja'Kai Moore should not play left tackle. And the first reason is, while Ja'Kai Moore has played a lot at left tackle, he's been inconsistent at best in terms of his pass protection. As, according to Pro Football Focus, in 396 pass-blocking snaps at left tackle, Ja'Kai Moore has a pass-blocking grade of 51.91, which is a below-average grade based on Pro Football Focus's overall grade scale. Obviously, not something that you want on your SEC offensive line with the athletes and the talent you're going to be facing week in and week out. The other thing is, Ja'Kai Moore showed some promise at left guard late last year as he had an 80 pass blocking grade on 155 pass blocking snaps in the final three games against Tennessee, Clemson, and Notre Dame, all games that Ja'Kai Moore started. So he might be a better fit actually at a different position. But either way, 
I think that Ja'Kai Moore, with the experience he has, both in the scheme, the type of scheme that we're running, and also the experience at the position, he's still the best candidate to play left tackle. Now, the second best candidate to play the left tackle position for South Carolina, in my opinion, is Nick Gargiulo. And once again, a couple reasons why he could be the best candidate and maybe wouldn't be the best candidate. To start off with the positives here. Nick Gargiulo has played the position before, and he's played it at a high level. As when he played left tackle back in his time at Yale, he had an overall pass blocking grade of 80.8 and a run blocking grade of 68.9 in 995 career snaps at that position, according to Pro Football Focus. And the other thing is this, Gargiulo has been heralded as sort of the leader of the group, the guy that is sort of taken the mantle of being, again, the quote-unquote tone setter for the position unit. And you need a guy like that, obviously, with your offensive line every single year. And if Nick Gargiulo is that kind of guy, then you might want him to play one of the most important spots for you on the offensive line, which is that left tackle position. Now, there's also a couple reasons why this move would not make as much sense. Firstly, while Nick Gargiulo did quite good in terms of pass blocking when he was playing for the Yale Bulldogs a couple years back, Nick Gargiulo was facing Ivy League athletes. And we all know Ivy League athletes are not the same as SEC athletes. So, admittedly, there's no way of knowing how Nick Gargiulo would be able to handle the speed coming off the edge in the SEC week in and week out if he were to play that left tackle spot. We have to be fair about that. Here's the other thing. As far as I know, and as far as what's been reported overall, Nick Gargiulo was taking reps on the interior offensive line throughout all of spring practice. So, if you go into fall camp and you move Nick Gargiulo to left tackle, that is a new set of responsibilities and probably some different terminology that now you are thrusting upon him to learn pretty much within a month's time before you got to go play a decent week one opponent in the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, again, he's a veteran offensive lineman, so maybe that kind of move would not take him completely off guard like it would a younger player, but still, that would be a bit of a learning curve probably for Nick Gargiulo to go back to left tackle under a new coaching staff and on a new football team facing much better competition than he did when he was with Yale. The final candidate to play left tackle for this season might surprise some of you, but I got Marky Anderson listed here as that third candidate. Now, a couple of reasons why this move would make sense. Marky Anderson has by far the highest ceiling out of all the players I have listed to this point, and maybe the highest ceiling out of all the offensive linemen that are currently on South Carolina's roster. So, Marky Anderson's got the talent, and he's got the potential. He also repped at left tackle in the spring. So this would not be a massive positional transition for the young true freshman. And he's been noted for being able to absorb information like a sponge, according to offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley, a guy that you do not have to tell too many times a certain concept or a term before he gets it and he has it nailed down. That's a good quality to have for an offensive lineman. Now, the reason why this would not make sense is quite obvious here. Uh, Mark Anderson has never played a snap in a college football game. He is a true freshman. And obviously, I've talked about this before, it is not easy for true freshmen to break the starting lineup and be able to handle this kind of 
strain and responsibility on the offensive line, especially in the SEC. And we saw it in the spring game. Obviously, you can't take a whole lot away from it being his first ever, I guess, unofficial game in front of fans. But Elijah Davis and Brian Thomas Jr., they had their way with Mark Anderson in pass protection while he was at left tackle. Now, again, I think it says a lot that he got put there in the first place by this coaching staff. And clearly, he is a true freshman. And he actually should still be in high school right now. So, he's got plenty of time to develop. You should not make any long-term judgments based off of the spring game alone. But obviously, if he were to play left tackle in year one, you would probably be having a lot of either hits or really big whiffs on every given play throughout an entire football game. All right, now let's move on from South Carolina's football roster itself, and let's talk about the latest addition to South Carolina's coaching staff in new defensive line coach Travian Robertson. Now, Travian Robertson had his introductory press conference on Tuesday evening, one that I was able to go and attend. And when attending this press conference, my main takeaway was this. Travian Robertson's connections to South Carolina certainly helped him along the way and led him to getting this job in part because of the relationship he has with Shane Beamer. But Travion got this job also because he fits the exact mold of an assistant coach that Shane Beamer is looking for. There were multiple things I picked up on when listening to Travion Robertson's comments to the media on Tuesday evening. Travion Robertson is a student of the game. This is a guy that lives and breathes the game of football. You want to know how much of a student of the game he is? He has kept his notes after all these years from the time that he was playing football. And he even showed his notes to the interior defensive linemen on Tuesday in order to give them an idea of sort of how maybe they should take notes when they are watching film, when they are in the building and trying to study certain concepts. Travion Robertson also believes in there being a process. He said that obviously this was a dream job for him. He dreamed of this job, he prayed for this job, and he wanted this job really badly. But he also said that he wanted to do this the right way. And for him, that meant that he wasn't going to utilize his old status as being a former football player here, being a former team captain, to try to get a position immediately once he was done playing football. He wanted to earn his coaching stripes. He wanted to do things his way. He wanted to do things differently. So he started off at Georgia State with former South Carolina offensive line coach Sean Elliott. Then went to Albany State with former South Carolina Gamecock Corey Peoples for one season. Then came back to Georgia State for three years before going to Tulane this past year and coaching under former Gamecock safety and now current Oregon defensive coordinator Chris Hampton. He is a guy that does not believe in skipping steps. That's something that he can pass along to his players. And speaking of passing along to his players, relationships are the biggest thing for him as a football coach. He said that with the relationships he built with his coaches when he was a player, he now wants to pour all of that knowledge and all of the love, quite frankly, that he got into the players that he coaches both when it comes to the game of football and also dealing with the game of life off of the field. He said that he's going to be himself when it comes to interacting with players and recruits. What you see from Travion Robertson is what you're going to get. 
and he also learned something about relationships with players while he was at Albany State, which is that you don't spell love, L-O-V-E. You actually spell it T-I-M-E. Basically meaning that in order to show how much you love and appreciate someone, you have to actually spend time with them. You got to put forth the effort in getting to know them as a whole person. You have got to be somebody that doesn't just say what you say, but you also got to back up your words with actions. Trayvon Robertson conveyed that at his introductory press conference on Tuesday. And the other thing is, when it comes to coaching his players on the field, he is going to coach them hard. He has a serious demeanor and a dominating type mentality when it comes to being a coach, which he says he's carried over from when he was a player. He's going to coach players hard in practice, and he wants guys to play how they practice, and that goes right in line to how Shane Beamer thinks when it comes to carrying over practice habits over to the football field on game day. Now, I know that with everything I just said, there might be some people that are sitting there and saying, that sounds like a lot of cliche things that almost every coach would say, and that actually raises a red flag for me here. I'm going to tell you right now, do not think that way with this hire. In my opinion, this is a home run hire by Shane Beamer at the defensive line coaching position by bringing back Travian Robertson. This is a guy that is humble. This is a guy that is grateful. This is a guy that has worked hard to get this position. Again, as he mentioned, he did not want to basically be handed this position. He wanted to be someone that actually earned his stripes in the coaching ranks earned the right to get this spot. And that's exactly what he did. Trayvon Robertson was a guy that at times was, in my opinion, really having to try hard to withhold his true emotions about this, which is um, basically every emotion you could possibly think of. You know, having one of those cathartic moments where you think back to a former time where maybe you were at a certain workplace or maybe you were in a certain town or maybe you met that special someone, and then you, for whatever reason, you don't take the chance during that time, the first go-round, and then you meet them years later, and all those feelings just come back. And I think that that's what's going on with Trayvon Robertson. That's what happened yesterday at his press conference. And it was 100% genuine. And it was really cool to see just how much this guy is so happy and excited to be back here. I think that there will be obviously a lot of people outside of Sacramento's fan base that will question, you know, whether or not this was just a feel-good type hire, to say the least, from Shane Beamer. I can promise y'all that is certainly not the case. Draven Robertson has got a ton of likable, positive qualities to himself as a coach on the field and as a coach when it comes to how he's going to attack the recruiting trail. I could see South Carolina getting better in terms of recruiting just because it's going to mean a little bit more to Travion Robertson than it did to Jimmy Lindsay. And that's not to say Jimmy Lindsay did not work hard on the recruiting trail. Certainly not saying that. But Travion Robertson played at South Carolina. It's just going to be a little bit different for him than it was for Jimmy Lindsay. And... Shane Beamer said this at his press conference as well before Travion Robertson took the podium. He said that he feels like they can upgrade in every single facet here with the hire of Travion Robertson, which I thought was um, definitely eyebrow-raising 
to say the least, that he uh, said that. Which, again, I think speaks to just how strongly he feels about this hire and how strongly I think the fan base should feel about this hire. So my overall point with saying all this is, yes, Trayvon Robertson's connections, again, they still helped him get here to South Carolina. But that's not the only reason why he got this job. And it is certainly not the reason why he got this job. Trayvon Robertson earned this job. And he is a guy that is going to now go out there and try to prove that Every single day from the time he starts his career at South Carolina to the time his career at South Carolina is over as an on-field coach. That's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. Who do you think the most important offensive player is for South Carolina in 2023? Do you think it's Antoine Juice Wells or do you strongly disagree and believe it's Spencer Rattler? Who do you think should play left tackle for the Gamecocks with a recent update on Jalen Nichols? And what are your overall thoughts on Travion Robertson and the press conference he had on Tuesday afternoon? Let me know all of your thoughts on those topics down below in the comment section if you watch today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, thank you so much to all of you for listening or watching today's show from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I really and truthfully do appreciate each and every one of you. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.